0: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray that His Spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life.
1: Psalm 73. I want to talk today about God, my strength when life is hard. God, my strength when life is hard. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your difficulties are, but there are times in our lives when we just come up against it and it's hard. And and it's during those times that we need to get our focus back on the one where our focus needs to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. It was July the 22nd, 2017. I was the pastor at uh, our church in Markham, Ontario, and uh, we had three services. So that was a Saturday. I was getting ready to uh, go and preach on Saturday night. I had a shower. Uh, I came downstairs and I said to my wife who was upstairs, I'm not feeling very well. Not feeling very well. She goes, well, what is it? And I said, "I, I, I feel like I've got this things going up into my neck and I got this pressure on my chest and, and, I, and I feel like something down my arm. And she goes, you're having a heart attack. Go get two aspirins, chew them, we're going to the hospital. She may be the only person in the world who ever actually listened to that aspirin commercial. If you're having a heart attack, chew two aspirins and go to the hospital. She uh, loaded me up, loaded me up. I walked out to the car. We drove to the Stouffville Hospital and uh, went in the door. And uh, my wife, who's generally a fairly passive person, when her husband's having a heart attack, isn't like that at all. Um, she walked up to the front of the line and said, my husband is having a heart attack. Those words in an eMERGE just move you right to the front of the line. And uh, Now, don't use it if you're not having a heart attack. But, um, and, and so in they took me, did an EKG. I'd had EKGs before. And uh, it was interesting because the technician does it, pulls the thing off, looks at it, and just walks out the door. And I'm like, oh, that can't be good. That can't be good. The doctor, just a couple of minutes later, came in and said, you are having
0: a heart attack. Suddenly, my life changed. It was all different. Life was hard.
1: Over the next few days and then the next month or so, I wondered, would I ever preach again? Would I ever be the pastor of that church again? I just wondered. It was, it was going to be difficult. He said, we're going to load you up into an ambulance, lights and sirens. We're taking you up to Newmarket where they're going to deal with your situation. And, and so up we went. I'm going up the 404, lights and sirens. And um, as, funny things happened during these times as well. As we turned into the hospital parking lot, I look through the back window of the ambulance because that's the way you're facing. And what do I see is a Kentucky Fried Chicken sign. The things you remember. And then I remembered, yeah, I guess I'll never be eating that again, right? And uh, anyways, long story short, in I go by God's providence, by God's grace on my life. Two hours after we arrived in Stouffville, I had a stint put in. I was in recovery and on a way to recovery. And the Lord has sustained and allowed me to be back in ministry, serving the Lord uh, wholeheartedly. And I just rejoice in that. But in the middle of all of that journey, I wondered, would I ever be doing what I believe God had called me to again? Had my, had my, um, lack of disciplines, had my carelessness in some areas, had I, was I done? Um, as I said, your thing might not be a heart attack. It may be something else in your life. You might have circumstances in your life. And, and just right now, that was my difficulty when life was hard. What's your when life was hard? Because I want to take you through the psalm today, Psalm 73, and take a look at what, what this writer wrote, When his life was difficult, when he was facing some hard things, what did he do? And what can we learn from what he did so that we can walk in faithfulness for the glory of God? The writer of Psalm 73, his name is Asaph. Asaph was like the worship director for David. Uh, Asaph wrote a number of the Psalms right around these ones, but he was a songwriter and, and he wrote this song. This song is his testimony. You know, if you were asked to give a testimony, you know, we heard some today. It's like, this is what I was like before, and this is what God has done, and this is where I'm going. But often you would start out with a statement like, you know what? God has been good to me. God's been good to me, but, but, And that's really what goes on in his life. So I want us to take a look at three or four things from the life of Asaph as he gives his testimony about God being his strength when life is hard. And I trust as it's been a huge help for me, it will be a huge help for you as well. Look look into the text, uh, starting, let me read a few of the verses. Psalm 73, starting at verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Then you go down to verse uh, 25. Who do I have in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Behold, all those who are far from you shall perish. You shall put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But as for me, it's good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all of your works. Here's the first principle I want you to see from his testimony. When life is hard, when life is hard, I don't forget God's goodness. When life is hard, I don't forget God's goodness. It's so easy to get caught up in your circumstances and forget about the goodness of God. He starts right out at the beginning of the text, truly, Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. That word truly in English could be, or from the Hebrew, could be broadened out into some other aspects to kind of give you the strength of what that word is. It's, it's surely or only um, or truly, each of those is true. You can say surely God is good to Israel or only God is a good to Israel. Everyone else has rejected them, the Philistines, the Moabites, the Amorites, the Amalekites, the Babylonians, the Assyrians. But the reality was for him, God is good. So I thought about that and how had God been good to Israel? He makes this big, bold statement. What would that look like? Here's a a few ways that God had been good to them. God was good to them in the quantity of times he took care of his people. Aren't you glad that after your 70 times seven, how many times do I have to forgive my neighbor? After your 70 times
0: seven, God didn't say, That's it, you're done. Like I passed 490 45 years ago, and
1: yet God's still good. God was good to them in quantity. You can see this in Joseph. You see this in the deliverance from Egypt. You see this in the taking of the promised land. You see this in the giants. You see this in Jericho. Over and over and over, just in the quantity of times, God is good to his people. And what about the quality of the way God works for his people? See the Ten Commandments. You see the story of
0: Abraham, and he's going to sacrifice his son. And God provides the ram. And God taught him a
1: lesson. God taught him a quality lesson. You see Caleb and Joshua versus the spies where only two of them would actually tell the truth about what was going to happen and had faith for what God would do in entering the land. You have this story of David and Nathan and David and his sin with Bathsheba and then having um, Uriah put to death and then he meets with Nathan who tells him this story about about this rich farmer who wants to have a party and so he invites all his friends and he goes and the poor farmer. He takes his animal and sacrifices. And David is indignant at the injustice that's going on. Why would the rich farmer do that? And then Nathan. Nathan points his bony finger at David and he says, you're the man. That's what you did. And God broke him and brought him to a place of re- repentance and restoration. God's good to his people in quantity. God's good to his people in quality. God works in variety. God doesn't always work the same ways in our lives. Sometimes he delivered his people. Sometimes because of their sin, he delivered them over for a period of time, but God was good and he worked in a variety of ways. Sometimes he shut the lion's mouth. Sometimes he caused the sun to stand still. Sometimes he took an army an army of 300 people against the Amalekites and and brought a great victory. God, worked in a variety of ways.
0: I wrote this down. God did not always do what they wanted, but he always did what they needed. When God works in your heart,
1: when God takes you through a trial, when you work through a difficult season, God doesn't always work like you want, but he'll always work with what you need. God was good in variety. God was good in security. With Joseph and his brothers in Potiphar's house and and Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. The Red Sea and Jericho and the conquest of the land and God kept his people secure and God cares for us and we we need to remember,
0: truly God is good. And then God was good in duration. He never gives up. He never gives up. So in your life today, when life is hard whatever your circumstances maybe it's a, a medical result
1: you're just uh, you just got or you're waiting on or, or 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 maybe it's a job situation or or maybe it's a family situation or or maybe it's just your own personal life and and the wrestle is don't forget god's goodness we need to look back we need to remember, I met with some elders just yesterday and, and we're talking about some things and I said, don't, don't you see the goodness of God in your church? And just, I just, the things that I knew and I'm not even a part of that church just went and I just described to them the things of God's goodness. We need to remember, right? We need to remember, you, you can't give praise to God. You can't give thanksgiving to God without looking back and remembering. And so as the psalmist has now gone through this experience,
0: He starts out his statement and he says, Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Now, you're like, You're gonna preach this whole psalm and you're gonna spend that long on each verse? Jesus
1: could come back before we're done. Well, he could come back before we're done, regardless, but uh, no, I'm not. We're gonna move real quick. And so here we go. Here's the second thing When life is hard, I don't lose focus. When life is hard, Don't lose focus. Look at at verse 2. He said, but as for me, like it might be good for them. God might be good, but in his journey, remember, he's on this. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. Um, And then he says, my steps had nearly slipped. And look what he says. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heaven and their tongues strut through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? This verse starts out with a big but, but truly God might be good. But as for me, that's not how it feels. And then he kind of lays out the journey that he goes through. And maybe part of this is where your journey is today. It's where you find yourself and you find just like he did, you're losing focus. Uh, How did he lose focus? Well, in verse three, three, we see that he looked at the world and he's like, godly people finish last. How come the sinners get to do this stuff and there seems to be no justice? There seems to be no payment for their sin. It it just doesn't make sense to me. Here I am seeking for you or me. Here I am seeking to live my life for Jesus and I don't have a two-car garage. I don't have a pool in the
0: backyard. I don't have air conditioning at my church. Why? Why don't we get all that stuff? Why don't we get all that stuff? And he's got
1: his focus on the world. He gets his focus on their sin and the pleasure that there is in their sin. Don't let anyone ever tell you that sin isn't fun or there isn't pleasure in sin. That's a lie. It's not true. You, You wouldn't struggle with sin if it had no pleasure, right? The Bible says there's pleasure in sin. For a season. For a season. There is going to be an accounting. There is going to be an end to that. There is going to be a standing before the Lord. And our desire on this earth should be to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and fleeing from sin as much as we can. But in his struggle, he's looking around them and he sees the world getting ahead. He sees all the things they're getting. And hey, that's true for some of you. Some of you are looking around and like, why didn't I get that promotion? Why don't I have that job? Why am I not getting those things in my life? And and you're looking at the world around you and you're forgetting about the one who's taking care of you. You're forgetting about the one who has your eternal picture in mind. You're forgetting about the one who is our eternal glory. In the world, good guys, seems like good guys finish last. These people in the world, they turn against the Lord to their own lust. And down in these verses, as I read it in verse 11, and they say, how can God know and is there knowledge in the most high? And they come to the place of of denying the very existence of God. And you live in that world every day. You live in that world where your neighbors and your friends and and those that you work with, and and they're in denial of who God is. And maybe even to the point when you go on to the next verse, and behold, these are the wicked Always
0: at ease, they increase in riches. They curse your God. They seem to get ahead. When life is hard, don't lose focus. So on his decline, as he's wrestling through his life, there's a one more
1: part of this that we want to take a look at, and, and that is... Um, You lose focus when you get your focus on the wrong thing. In verse, the next verse is verse 13, he says, all in vain, notice the word I and how many times it shows up in the next verses. All in vain, vain, I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generations of your children. But then, but when I thought how to understand this, it was too
0: wearisome task for me. The psalmist, just like Paul Whittingstall and just like you, uh, sometimes gets an eye problem.
1: We have the focus going in the wrong direction. We start looking at all of the things around us and we get our eyes off of the Lord and it's not until we get to a right focus that the Lord starts to work and he changes our heart and he changes our passions and changes the things that we desire uh, to be about. Look, look in verse 16. But when I thought to how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Look at 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God.
0: Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. If you feel like the journey is hard and the journey is difficult and you're
1: looking at all the circumstances around you, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you went to the sanctuary of God? When? It's not here. This isn't it right? This is church. It's where we come together. I, I love the fact that we've tried to stay away from using the word that this is the sanctuary. Um, the sanctuary of God is you and your relationship with God. It can happen in this room. It can happen in your personal devotions. It can happen when you're with other people, fellowshipping together. It can happen in a small group. But when was the last time you went to the sanctuary of God? When was the last time God spoke in your life? But when was the last time you listened to him, you see, your mind is bombarded 99 percent of the time with um, ungodly, worldly focus. And if you're not going to the sanctuary of God, if you're not opening His Word every day, if you're not on your face before Him in prayer, it, you're not going to the sanctuary of God. And it's going to be a difficult task for you. He says, "Until I went to the sanctuary of God,
0: when He did that, says, then I understood." When I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood.
1: Look at, at verse 18. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. These people who are getting it all, these people who are seem to be getting ahead, um, how they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was prudish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. And then verse 9, 23, nevertheless, nevertheless, on his journey, in his struggle, on your journey, in your struggle, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand.
0: You're always with me. Does God feel like he's a long way away today? Did you feel like your prayers get to about here and, and that's as far as they go? Then I have a question for you. Who moved? Who moved? What happened in your spiritual journey? What happened in your walk with
1: the Lord? How did you get from a vibrant faith that you had one day to sloppy thinking and desires where Christ isn't on the throne like he used to be? I'm not talking about losing your salvation. That doesn't happen to true followers in Jesus Christ. I'm just talking about you got sloppy in your walk. You're You're not fellowshipping like you were. You're not poor. You're not leaning in like you once did. Who moved? Who moved? Because the text says you are continually with me. You're there, Lord. It's just a little bit of look over your shoulder. The Lord's right there. He's right there. He never left you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, the word of God says.
0: Verse 24 says, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Who moved? If God feels a million miles away today, I would suggest you're not opening the book like you used to. You're not walking
1: in faith like you were used to. You're not in fellowship with other people who keep you accountable and
0: speak strongly into your life like you used to. Who moved? He says um, in verse 25 Notice the change in his heart. Notice what's happening to him now. Who do I have in heaven?
1: Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth I desire. Beside you. Now let's have a little moment of honesty on my part. I don't have a real big problem with the first half of that verse. Who do I have in heaven but you? It's a theological statement. It's a true statement. I'm like, check. I get that part. Who do I have in heaven? I don't have anybody in heaven but you, Lord. You're on the throne. You're the King. But look, look at the second part of the verse. The part that kicks me right in the head. And there's nothing on earth
0: that I desire beside you. Wow. Wow. There's nothing on earth, Lord, that comes before you. Not a relationship. I love my wife. We've been married for 43,
1: 43 years, right? 43. Whew, got that right. We've been married for 43 years. I love my wife, but she can't be first in my heart. She can't be first place. Uh, Sue was involved in a motor vehicle accident back a number of years ago, a lot of years ago. Our kids were young, and uh, she was in the hospital. And uh, while she was in the hospital, um, a blood clot went from damage in her leg up into her lung, and uh, and so that became a challenge for us. And I, I went in and I talked with the doctor, and I said, um, "Doc, like, talk to me. What this is about? What does this mean?" And he was just real honest with me. He said, like, there's things we're going to do and all the rest. I said, but what if it doesn't stop? What if more? He goes, if more, she would die.
0: And uh, after I visited with Sue, I got back in the car and I was driving home and I wept. I wept at the thought that
1: I could ever lose my wife. I had kids. My son was in grade eight. My daughter was in grade six. Like, Lord, what are you going to do? And, and I just remember in that moment, Praying, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do. I just know that in this, you are going to take me through it. See, Sue is not my reason to live. My kids, I love them. My grandkids, I think I love them more. They're not my reason to live. My reason to live is Christ and Christ on the throne. Who do I have in heaven but you? And there's nothing that I desire beside you. Now, it's easy to say, if it all went away, would you be okay with that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I do know this. I know who's supposed to be on the throne. I know who's supposed to be first. And I also know that God would go with me through whatever that was. I had to come to that in my own life with my heart attack. God will, he will sustain through this. And if I never again do what I used to do, God's still
0: on the throne. And so, amen. You guide me, you guide me.
1: Um, who do I have in heaven but you? There's nothing on this earth I desire beside you. Okay, let's get to the next part because it's really the real win. It's where my life verse is.
0: When life is hard, I trust God's design. When life is hard, I will trust God's design. Verse 26 says, uh, my flesh and my heart
1: may fail. I prefer because I've experienced my flesh and my heart do fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So a quick story about when I was in the hospital with my, with my heart attack. I've, the stint is in. I'm in recovery. Things are moving in a good way. Uh, my son, Carl, he's preached here, right? Carl's preached here. He's on staff in Oakville. And um, we're sitting. Now, he blames me for this. I blame him for this. This is just Whittingstall stall humor, so forgive us. But um, by that point, the oxygen thing is off my finger.
0: Okay. And, and so on the screen, there's a flat line. And we think it would be funny to take a picture of me lying in the bed with a flat line on the screen.
1: Now, some of you think you people are ignorant and rude and gross. It's just who we are. Okay. So, so Carl's down there at the bottom of the bed with his camera up and he takes the picture and he immediately looks at it and he says, uh, Dad, we can't keep this picture. Like this will be funny if it all goes well, but this won't be funny if it doesn't go well. So he immediately deleted it. At least that's what he told me he did. He immediately deleted it. It's gone as far as the east is from the west. And uh, I say all that to say this. We were talking about my life verse. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God. And he said, dad, you got to change your life verse. You got to change your life verse. I said, Carl, you can't change your life verse. You can change your verse of the week, your verse of the month. At the end of a year, that one will run out. But your life verse is your verse forever. And, uh, and I had to learn that my flesh and my heart, they fail. They do fail. And God in his graciousness and his goodness to me has allowed me to serve for another five plus years so far. Um, but I had to learn this lesson. Here's a lesson. You might want to write this down. Uh, perhaps, Perhaps God will sometimes wreck your plans when he sees that your plans are about to wreck you. Sometimes God will wreck your plans when he sees that your plans are about to wreck you. I had things in my life that weren't healthy. I had practices that weren't healthy. There was lots of things going on that I was, I was burning the candle at both ends. There were just a lot of things like that. And, uh, and the Lord had to shut
0: me down So I get a focus back on him and get things right because my flesh was failing. What a picture of um, salvation though. My flesh fails
1: and my heart, but God, there's always the but God. Remember there was a but God at the beginning of this. Now there's another but God, but God is the strength of my heart. So your circumstances all around you, the things you're doing, the external, you're messed up and it's like, But God is the strength of your heart. Where does God want to start a work today if it's needed in your life? It's not on the externals. It's not. We we try and clean up on the externals all the time and God's like, would you stop that? Would you get your heart right? God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever repentance, yes, repentance is turning and moving in a new direction. It is that for sure. But repentance at its root is a change of heart. It's a change of how I really feel about these things. Not I'm not going to drink anymore. or No, I'm not going to cheat on my taxes anymore. Or I'm not going to watch porn anymore. It's not just a mental ascent to go. I got to go in a different way. You have to change your heart. There has to be a change in how you feel about these things. My flesh fails and my heart fails, but God
0: is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The human heart will fail. That's my story. The spiritual heart will fail. But when we we're dead in
1: trespasses and sins, He made us alive in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2 says, God is the strength of my heart. And now we see the God story. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. There is no solution to the desperate state of man's flesh and his heart, but God. You heard it in the testimonies today. So clearly you heard it in, I was on a path and I was doing this and I was doing that, but God. Uh, I, was, I, I, I was just struggling in my own ways and trying to move forward and, 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 and turn to, don't even believe, but God. It's all about but God. Your salvation is all about but God. If you've never trusted Christ, you heard the testimonies, you heard what God does. My flesh fails I'm out there striving for what I can have, for independence, for wealth, for all those things, all for this world. They're all going away. You're not taking any of them with you and you're striving for those things. But God, but God is the strength of my heart. And when our hearts were dead, when we had failed, Jesus Christ, he came, he suffered. He was the propitiation. He was the right satisfaction of the wrath of God. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The Lord Jesus Christ came, shed his blood so that I don't have to shed my blood. And he paid a price I couldn't pay so I could have a life that I didn't deserve. And I believed when I was eight years old, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and I was saved. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you got your eyes focused on the one who is your salvation and trusted Jesus Christ alone for that salvation? Today you can. You you accept the fact that you're a sinner separated from God and you need a savior and that savior is Jesus Christ and you turn from what you trusted in and what you hoped in, it's repentance. You turn and you trust Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift. And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what I just said should just bless the socks off of you. To think that you have that. God has done that for you. We live every day out of the gospel. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my heart, and he is my portion forever. Okay, one more thing real quick. When life is hard, I'm not going to give up. When life is hard, I'll not give up. Look at, look at verse uh, 28. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You will put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. Another but. But as for me, it's good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all of your works. It is good to be near God. God is my refuge. I will hope in him. I will trust in him. I will confess my sin. I will get right with him. And then I will, with God's help and the power of the Spirit, walk faithfully for
0: his glory. When life is hard, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. Well, so what? So what? Came to church today. We saw some testimonies. We were blessed
1: by them. I hope you were blessed by them. We heard a guy get up and, and, and talk
0: about a psalm. And so what? In other words, what difference will it make? As you walk out the door today, how will you look different in your walk with the Lord?
1: Maybe you're at a sweet spot in your faith and everything is just fantastic. Well, praise the Lord. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Keep on going. But get ready, because we live in a sin-fallen world, and if it's wonderful today, challenges are going to come. And in the midst of those challenges, when life is hard,
0: when life is hard, I'm going to remember God's goodness. I'm going to, best I can, as I get my eyes focused on wrong
1: things, get my eyes focused back on the one who is my hope, I'm going to keep going back to the sanctuary of God, I'm going to trust God's design, your flesh, your heart, they fail, but God is the strength of your heart, and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to keep on keeping on as long as God gives me strength. I love how Psalm 23 ends, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, but it's after you're going through this and this and this and this is an amazing Psalm, and then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, The psalmist was looking forward to something far greater, and that's what we need to have our eyes fixed on, what Jesus Christ has done, what he will do, and
0: ultimately where he's taking us for his glory. God help me. God help you. This old guy, my flesh and my heart, they fail. But God, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you
1: for your word today. I thank you for this psalm and the huge blessing it's been in my life. I, I just wanted to share with these folks so they could understand a little bit about me and how you've worked. I am so much like Asaph. I can say the right things. I can, I can put on the right show. And yet my heart can be so far from you. And yet, Lord, you took him until I went to the sanctuary of God and you drew him back. His flesh, his heart, they failed. My flesh, my heart, they fail. But God, you are the strength of my heart. I will trust you. I will serve you. I will fix my eyes on Jesus Christ. God helping us to do that every day, a little bit more for his glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
0: For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.